Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boys from For Those With Good Taste. It's Matt. That's Lenny. Hey, yo. And what is going on? Welcome back to the channel. For all you new viewers, hit that subscription button right over there, over there, over there. And if you're coming back to the channel, make sure to drop a comment. You know what I always think about when we do that? What do the listeners think? <laughs> it's a great like we're like we're talking to YouTube and we're like, hey man, all over here. But what about the person on the screen who can't see it? What about the person who's just going with their sense of touch, Matt? Well, as How soon as they, they find it? touch the podcast button, whatever that might be, there's probably some dots somewhere. And or, they choose our channel. I'm pretty sure right next to the clip art, you get the subscribe button. That's that. And if you're tuning in week over week, chances are you've probably already hit it. But make sure to tell a friend. Let me see. I'm going to close my eyes for two seconds. Just bear with me. I'm going to go through what you just said. And I'm going to make sure it checks out. Yeah, that checks out, dude. That's good. I'd like to think I'm pretty astute on that. But we're coming off of a pretty insane weekend. But before we get into that, we wanted to kind of jump ahead before we jump back and get so into... Two steps forward to take one back. Absolutely. That's how we do things around here. To cover Halloween night. Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall, UFC fight night in Vegas. Some Halloween havoc. Oh, man. This one is really interesting because we know for a fact that this is the final time that we will see Anderson the Spider Silva inside that octagon. How does it make you feel? The GOAT? Question mark? I don't think there's a question mark. We'll get to it later. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is an exciting one. The, the big storyline, Matt, I would say going into this is actually the ultimate fighter in a weird way because there was a time... Call it seven years ago, maybe less than that. I don't know. Uriah Hall's been around for a little bit now, but he was an ultimate. He was on the Ultimate Fighter of the Year of Chael Sonnen versus John Jones. I believe he was Team Jones. No, he was Team. He was Team Jones. Oh, Team Sonnen. I think he was Team Sonnen. Yeah, okay. Uh, I might be fucking wrong on that, uh, but he knocks out Adam Sello with this like dope wheel kick, and everybody's like, "That's the next Anderson Silva." Yeah, like, he's got the f the fast twitch striking, like the style. Um, needless to say, flash forward to now. Maybe hasn't lived up to the hype. I think that's probably one of the safest notions that you can make. And somewhere along the lines, Uriah Hall got a little bit more focused on the reason he was fighting rather than kind of just jumping in that cage and getting it done. Yeah, I, I think it was even addressed on the Ultimate Fighter this, that famous speech with Chael Sonnen to, um, I believe it is to Uriah Hall. And I, and I wish I could remember it, but if get a chance, like, go back, back and watch it. Maybe I'll even link it in the thing down below or up above or somewhere. I just put it up um, there. But I'll, I'll try to get a link for that. It's a great speech. Either way, it was always addressing the mindset of Uriah Hall. And he's not really a killer. Like, no. he, he goes in there and he's like, he he thinks about things a little bit too much and becomes maybe gun shy. And you could probably flip that and say that that's one of the things that made Anderson Silva one of the greatest fighters of all time. Someone who was able to see the impossible and make it a reality in the octagon. Yeah, I think that like the, the thing about being a great MMA fighter is setting up traps. And that guy was so able to, he'd make things predictable for himself in a way, right? He would see something before it would happen. And it would be like the, they call it the, do the Matrix, right? It's the, the oh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker. I mean, not Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Griffin. He, he, he made him look like too. Forrest Whitaker. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, but he just those has those moments that you look back on. And that's where when we get into the GOAT conversation in a little bit here, it, that's going to be the question about him, I'm sure, is like the moments with him are so memorable. Uh, this fight, it it can go either way because Anderson Silva also has those fights where he doesn't do a ton. 
Yeah, as much as we know Anderson Silva for being the highlight reel master, so to speak, we've seen the Matrix-style movement. We've seen the the front kick of Vitor Belfort, one mm-hmm. of the greatest knockouts in UFC history. And you've seen Uriah Hall have very similar moments. But Absolutely. I think they both like to look at their work a little bit. And, like, that could be a problem. Well, we've both seen instances where these guys have kind of been known as counter-strikers, guys that are able to do some amazing things when their their opponent is coming forward. And in those instances, like the Telus Leitis fight, uh, the Damian Maya fight, there's a lot of instances where Anderson Silva kind of sat back and, and kind of waited for something to happen rather than making something happen. Do you see that happening in this fight? I hope not. Uh, like I said, I think it could be a realistic outcome. I, I'm going to go on the other side that this, because it is Anderson's last fight, he's going to come in with a certain want to win. I don't think that guy wants to leave on on the losing side. He's probably leaving at the right time, even though he hasn't necessarily looked like himself the past couple of years. But was his last fight against Izzy? Am I wrong on that? Uh, so actually, his last fight was against Jared Cannonier. Okay. So he okay. came from the Israel Adesanya fight against Jared Cannonier. And he lost to a leg kick. Okay, I yep. forgot about that. Yep. Um, but, you know, he went to a decision with Israel Adesanya, and we know how good he is. So it's not like he's leaving looking like BJ Penn. And it sucks that BJ going he on the go the- thing is like le- is leaving this way because it's really diminished what he is. But he's lost four of his last five. Uh, I think Hall should probably win this. If I'm giving an official pick, though, I'm going to go with Anderson Silva. I want to see him leave on top. Great career. Um, Produced one of the, my favorite moments of all time when Nick Diaz laid in the cage in front of him. So, uh, <laughs> Another one of those memorable moments yeah, where yeah. we were waiting for something to kind of happen and Nick gave us that, that little bit of That might be the craziest fight of all time to me. And, and not because of the action, just because of the first round and second round. It's the audacity of that man. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty insane. If I had to throw a pick out there, I'd also go Anderson Silva. There's something about Anderson Silva that we talked a little bit about with that killer instinct, that knowing when to go in. I mean, the Michael Bisping knee after the mouthpiece mouthpiece falls out. Mm-hmm. There's these instances where he knows what he has to do to get things done. And I think we could see that in this fight. So I think we're both laying on the, uh, not to say laying like Nick Diaz would, but we're both laying our, our picks right there on Anderson Silva. Yep. So uh, two, two and oh for Anderson. Let's cross Let's off that as he goes yeah. out in the right way. I don't want to see a violent knockout in his last fight. Uh, but, you know, we just talked about legacy. Let's let's move on to the legacy of the man who fought this past weekend. What an event, Lenny. And this is one of those rare occasions where we got to kind of enjoy it together and mm-hmm. see, man, you, you and you and I had the, the same look on our face. We couldn't believe the pace that this fight was going at. It, once, it was like two two minutes of kind of Justin looking a little uneasy and really prepared for the takedown. His hands were lower than they normally are. Uh, his hands weren't as crisp as they normally are because it felt like it was always reactive to thinking a takedown was coming. Uh, and then in about two and a half minutes into that first round, like the temperature gets turned up in that room. And Habib is, he's gotten so much better fight over fight because I, I didn't respect him nearly enough as I think a lot of people did not respect him nearly enough, right? Could count myself guilty because we talked a little bit about when levels, uh, a certain level of fighter and they come against each other. And Khabib made it seem like we weren't even on the same planet of understanding the capabilities of what he could do against Justin Gaethje. And I think it's not to say that we disrespected him, but we definitely missed out on uh, what he was able to do in that that octagon. And he ends up getting the finish, right? And he, for a long time, was considered a decision fighter, not that exciting, right? 
Uh, and, take and down not, to, not to interrupt you there. I wanted to give you props on that because you made a great mention of, you know, in putting your pick and saying that sure money was on Khabib. You made the mention of him being the guy who's mostly been known to wear and, and, and tear on people for five rounds. But up against the, the cream of the crop in this division, he has finished these fights in, in, in handed fashion. Uh, it's always nice to get my roses, Matt. So thank Absolutely. you very much for that. I got to give it to you. Um, it's the truth, though, and you saw it again here where, like, he was going for the finish at the end of the first round, runs out of time. In the second round, you hear the story from Daniel Cormier this week, and I don't know if you heard this one, um, that he had wanted to get the arm bar in that fight. That's why he went for it the first round, but his Justin's parents were in the front row. Um, give us two seconds. And we are back. Uh, as usual, the star of the show, Bailey, has made her presence known. Uh, but she's been attended to, and we're back in action. Right, Matt? Always good when Bailey makes an appearance. Yes, my girl. So, as I was saying, Daniel Cormier uh, has this great story about texting with Habib, where he was going to go for the submission, wants to get the uh, armbar, but Justin's family is there in the front row. And Justin had talked about all week how he wouldn't submit, like he wouldn't tap out. Uh, so he didn't want to do an arm bar in front of Justin's like family uh, and break his arm if he didn't tap out in front of them. So instead, he goes for a mounted triangle, which happens to be his father's favorite submission. submission, goes for a mounted triangle and puts him to sleep. And like, it's the most brutal story in the world, but it's the nicest thing. Like you could think of somebody mid fight is like, there for the reasons he's there, right? His, his his father's passed away. His mother has told him, don't fight. And this guy has brought his family. Ultimate my games. I don't think Justin Gaethje is doing that. I think he always just brings his family to the fights. So they let him do it. But like... It's next level. That's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? And like, Habib's like, I care so much about family and I'm such a good guy that I don't want to inflict pain on this man who wants to separate me from consciousness. It, it is incredible, the person that Khabib is kind of, it's not to say that he he hasn't been this person the entire time, but you spoke about, you know, being one of the good guys and having that story kind of play out the way that it does. And I don't think that that plays out any better for Khabib Nurmagomedov than what we witnessed. He finishes it in the submission of his, of his father's choice in that legacy. We see the, the family camaraderie between him, his camp and those guys that are there for him. And you know, you and I were kind of seeing it and you were like, is he, is he laying down the gloves here? And it was one of those moments where we kind of all, where it all came to fruition. Uh, it, it was a pretty powerful moment. You know, far too often in this game, um, you see guys go out on the wrong side of it. Um, you know, we said BJ Penn and we were just talking about legacy with Anderson Silva and how we want to see him go out. And like few guys get to go out in the way that, uh, Habib got to go out this weekend. And that was really special, uh, not two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about Daniel Cormier as like one of his good friends in his same camp, has the same opportunity to go out like as a heavyweight champion, biggest fight of his career, and he, and he loses in pretty brutal fashion, right? Great fight, but gets his eye almost poked out. Um, you see that legacy kind of not somewhat, not to be, not to say that it's tarnished, I don't think but you could it ever doesn't diminish it. You can never diminish it, but it doesn't amount to what it could have been. Yeah, and that's it, just the reality. So of it. to see, I think that's where it was so emotional is, you know, the backstory with the father and all of this. And then you find out that he was hurt so much during camp. And it was really just a nightmare. Broken toe. Did you Mo see the picture one, of that broken toe? More than one broken bone in his foot. Oof. And I guess there was also a lot of sickness going through his camp. 
And I, I respect the hell out of it. And, and I'm not like, I, I was never a big Habib fan. I, I'm a huge fan at this point. Yeah. And, and just on level of, I, I think the thing when we get, in, we can get into the GOAT conversation here, right? Like It's safe to say. I think that the conversation that has to be had when you're talking about the GOAT of MMA is, or maybe this is a better way to phrase it. Do you think it should be factored in when we look at the GOAT of MMA, how you were as a person during your run at the top? Is that a factor at all in who you rank at the top? Because I think that plays heavy here in my decision making as to who I think is the best of all time. Because is it the best person? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I don't think I don't think you'd be the only person to have that argument because yeah. anybody that you speak to that will talk about the, the the goat or pound for pound greatest of all time, there is always it's not a clear cut. Hey, it's John Jones because the 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 asterisk that's next to John Jones's name is all the BS that comes along don't, with don't it. Don't just say John Jones. He's the biggest offender. He's the biggest Ander, offender. Anderson Silva needs to be in that conversation. as another person who's going to be always in the top five of MMA or the UFC. Because I think Fedor muddies up the water as the top five in MMA. MMA sure. But if we're talking specifically their career in the UFC, Anderson Silva had a great pride career, but like his name is built on those that run as on the that championship. Chris, on, it started with that Chris Levin fight. In yeah. His, his, pre, well, it's, his debut. The flying... Uh, the flying leg lock that he did to like Ryu Chonin or whatever his name is was dirty. It's dirty, um, but his yeah. name blew up with that knockout of Chris fighting Lieben. in America. Yeah, yeah. Chris yeah. Levin, who had come off the Ultimate Fighter, one hundred percent correct. So, you know, but the, he he has failed a drug test. He's failed more than one drug test, I believe, at this point. Right? He failed against Nick, Nick Diaz, and that got thrown out. So, between him and John Jones, John Jones to me is probably on the record alone, like his uh, his legacy of what he's fought in the UFC, the best fighter. Do you, do you agree or disagree? It would be difficult to disagree. There's John, only one John, other guy for me, and I don't think it's Habib. And it's not Habib. So Habib, we, we talk about him being the greatest pound for pound, the goat of all time at 155 across the board. He's been known as a grappler, submission artist, whatever you want to call it. John Jones was able to do things and fight the caliber of fighter that I think goes beyond just what Khabib has been able to do. Mm -hmm. When you factor in all, everything else, take on the same conversation with Anderson Silva, that's what's, what's heavy on everybody's mind. I'm a firm believer that you have to look at the body of work. And if we're looking at the body of work, the same way we talk about Khabib being 29 and 0, finishing his career, John Jones has one loss and one no contest on his record. The one loss is a fluke. It's... One of the weirdest rules in MMA, 12 six elbows, you can't do it. He won it's that not fight really. against, He's undefeated. Yeah. He won that fight against Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill's the only one who believes that he did it. Yeah. That no contest is a pop That's test. On him. That's on him. Yeah. That's a pop test. Do you get the GOAT title for going out undefeated? That's another argument. That's not the argument that I stand by. Khabib will be the greatest at 155. Does he beat BJ Penn at that? I, I think maybe he does. Maybe he, he does, does eat out BJ Penn at that. BJ Penn is uh, so BJ Penn's might not even be top ten anymore because of what he's done to his career. And I I if you asked me ten years ago, I would have heavily argued BJ because he never was like a bodybuilder. He never was an athlete. He was just so talented. Just really good uh, fighter. naturally, naturally just a fighter, right? A scrapper. Uh to me, the GOAT has always been GSP or John Jones. And I think it's always been easier to take John Jones a love down a, a notch. Because of the Daniel Cormier, like, murkiness that's all around it. Uh, and GSP just, I think you could 
think that maybe he did some stuff pre-USADA, but you don't Nothing's have any, been proven. You have no proof of it. And he's a great guy and he was a great champion. And the other part that takes Habib down a notch, I think Habib gets some recency bias here and he gets some good guy bias. Habib was not the A side until he beat an A side, which was Conor McGregor. And that was only it's very late. That was only two fights ago, no? So GSP was the A side of fights from his loss to um Mark Hughes. Matthews, Matthews and Matthews. Matt Sarah. Um, yes. All the way up until now. Yep. Right. If he comes back to now, Habib might be the A side over him if they fought, but it's not a big It's if, not a big gap. It's it's the Conor McGregor level buys because they're both the level that they're up. They yeah, are. Absolutely. And that's it, there's so many different conversations to be had when we talk about the greatest of all time, when we talk about legacy. We're never gonna nat- zero in on what that right answer is, right? There's gonna be arguments across the board. If we're going by the basic, the rule, the, the, the basic rule of thumb is who's the baddest guy on the planet, right? Who, who's fought the, 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 the greatest talent? Who's done it in outstanding fashion? I think that's why Anderson Silva was always part of the conversation. Anderson Silva had five, four losses before he ever got into the UFC. Yeah. So I think he's also diminished himself, and not in the same way, obviously, I said that BJ did. But Anderson in the past couple of years has not done his record or his legacy any favors, and I respect that he just wants to keep going and he just enjoys fighting. So that's why I think he gets a pass in a way. I, I can BJ more seems like he's chasing something that's not there and is there for the wrong reasons. So I think that's where it makes it a little harder with him. Um, but so Anderson would be fifth out of all of them, if sure, anything, right? Because Henry Cejudo also, just to give an honorable mention, should be included. I, I would agree with that because he beat the other person who Joe Rogan would have told you would have told you was the greatest pound for pound and Mighty Mouse Johnson. Yeah. There's a lot of arguments. If we're to cut it for what it is, Khabib goes out as the best 155 pounder ever. that we've ever seen. There's still time for a guy like, like Connor just doesn't have enough resume there, but if he actually commits himself, who knows? He puts together a really good run. That's a guy because of the A side conversation is always going to be on somebody's list. I'm not saying he's on ours, um, but he's going to be current day. No conversation. Greatest 155er. No, no questions asked. The big question is, and I'll ask you this. Does he come back? No. Do you? Do you think so? I, I think if the if the match is right, I think that this this is this was heavy for him. Your mom's asking you not to fight. It's your first fight traveling, doing all this without your father. I know that he's had fights where you know his dad couldn't get into the country. That's completely different at this point. He's he's going back to something that he's very unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it is. So the one thing that's tough for me is I say on conviction alone, no. Like I say at that. And, and I can agree with that. The the only thing that I think would bring him back, it's not a Connor fight. It's not, for me, it'd be the most prolific fight that he can get to push the number to 30 and 0. Because that that's his father's dream at the end of the day. I, I think if that, he does come back. And, and the other part of it is he's just, he's not old. Like the no, thing he's is, he's, so much. he's early thirties, right? So like he has, he's in his prime. We talk that, about miles, and that's the thing where when you you were just saying, I think he in a way is going to get away from this a little bit, and like time time passes, you know, sure. and, and it heals wounds, whatever it is, you know, all those sayings, right? Uh, that's true, and I, and I could see him coming out the other side in a few years. Which I just mentioned Connor, right? Connor. Made the only reason Connor is not in the conversation for a rematch for, rematch for Habib is the like the way that build was yeah. and how dark Connor was yeah. right and how dark it made Habib 
yeah. in a way. Because he's not that guy that he showed. There, there was a lot moments. of, let's, let's say there was a lot of collateral there's a cloud, damage. There's a cloud yeah. over that. Yeah. And I think if you put three or four years in, the, in, in between and Connor actually came back, right? And this is thinking about the future. If Connor could come back and dedicate himself and just win fights and was the guy that he was on the featherweight run where even though he's talking some shit, he doesn't go to that personal level. Sure. He he stays professional. Well, he was making it. predictions. Yeah, it was more about yeah. what he could do. Uh, and he goes back to that guy and he, you know, he's already laid the groundwork for being kind of a good guy. I think the, the Dustin thing helps him a lot if he does actually donate all that money to Dustin's thing if they fought. Um, so I, I could see that being somebody where it's like the money's there. He doesn't need the money, but like if Connor was proven to be a good, a decent human being at this point, and has put together things where he looks like a challenge, and Habib's thirty five. Could I see him being like, I want to challenge myself? But he's not going to ever come back for money, and I think that's where a lot of people get confused here. This is only going to be yeah. who presents him a challenge, and at this point, GSP's too old. And, so, and that, that's why I said, who's going to be in the? I don't think it's about money. I think it's going to be about legacy. Mm-hmm. Who who's worth this thirty and out? Yeah, who's worth putting? There's my only name one against? guy who could call his name. And that's the truth. I, I don't think Connor can come out in um, January after beating Poirier and say, like, Khabib, no, you walked away. No. no, you need to win the belt. You need to defend the belt for two years. It needs to be without a shadow fight, of a doubt. Yeah, fight fight five times over two years. Defend it against the fucking best you can find. Don't go to don't go to welterweight and fight some bullshit fight against Usman where you're going to get smoked. Don't do that. Don't do that. You the, the thing about it, and we can move on to this conversation now, right? This top, this top ten... Tell me that Conor McGregor can't sleep every one of these days. Well, so this is this is our what we were going to get into is what does the 155 pound division look like without Khabib Nurmagomedov? Yes. Tell me to, answer, to answer your question, the only person that poses a threat for me in that division against Conor McGregor is the man who just beat or, or, or the man who just lost to Khabib Nurmagomedov. I kind of disagree. So I, say, say what you will. I think that that's the most competitive fight for me, but. Conor McGregor's ranked at four right now. I easily see him, if he's fighting three times a year, being number one at the end of 2021. I think all three of those guys in front of him are tough fights. And I, I, I'm i not saying, like, I'm like, oh, I can't see who he doesn't beat. And I'm not trying to put that out there. Like, no, I think I they're it. easy, I right? Yeah. The top 10, I could be like Diego Ferrara, right? That guy is so crafty on the ground. It's such a good jujitsu player. Maybe he jumps on something and beats Conor. I, I think Conor's ground game is probably underrated and wouldn't happen. Paul Felder, eh, maybe not. Charles Oliveira, you think that he couldn't, find a way to tap him with like a choke or something that that's a reality. Dan Hooker, good striker. I put these matchups in the top five, Ferguson hittable, Dan Hooker hittable, Dustin Poirier. No, hit it, notice, hittable. notice I didn't go Fucking backwards. Gaethje hittable. Every one of these guys match up to where Connor can put together a run that he clears out this division the same way that you could say he cleared out the fucking 145. I, I would, and then Habib is like, let me get it. You've been a decent. Don't don't fucking go off the deep end again and get arrested or any of this stuff. Don't talk shit because those things matter in Habib personally and culturally and all that stuff. We it's saw like, how respectful he was with Justin Gaethje. That was great like, through like, and through. I don't and he still sold a fucking bunch of pay per views. Yeah. That's the thing Insane. about this is like, and I think that Habib is the perfect counter to what Connor was yeah. to bring back like the respect in MMA in a way in a way that GSP I think had. GSP was a million dollar pay per view buy. Or a million pay-per-view buys off of being a good guy. Yeah. He wasn't Brock Lesnar, right? There, there's just always those parallels that happen. It, it there, There's a lot of questions. And I don't want to jump down this rabbit hole of Conor McGregor making his way to the number one spot. My, my big question for you is coming out of this weekend, Justin Gaethje looked 
severely overwhelmed in that fight. Mm-hmm. There's the Dustin Poirier Conor McGregor fight. Tony Ferguson is lobbying for a fight. Like there Michael is no Chandler tomorrow. is not on that list, by the way. Michael Chandler's thank you. Michael Chandler's not on that list. They I saw a meme that said you want to talk about not being or no one giving a shit about you? Michael Chandler flew to Abu Dhabi, made weight, did an interview, was ready to go. Nobody even batted an eyelash. So this is somebody who's coming in and bringing another dynamic to this division. What's the next big fight at 155 for you? you got to go like back-to-back pay-per-views to me with Connor Poirier and like a Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. I think is the most exciting oh, way to do this. Nice. And maybe Hooker versus Ferguson. I think all those guys are available right now, and they all line up. Ferguson coming off a loss, Hooker coming off a loss, and really good, really exciting fights. It's going to be Prove good. yourself. Uh, it's a fight that Ferguson would normally win if he's still the guy he was. Uh, Poirier and Conor McGregor, there's McGregor's a buy, but that's always going to be like the there's a storyline that you can kind of pick up on. He he brings the dollar sign. Mm-hmm. There's literally but, a dollar but sign. But you have the the past, and you have yeah. Poirier's growth as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Gaethje. Uh, versus Michael Chandler. It's like, okay, you were the guy who came from another company as a champion and you made your waves, you made your run to the championship. Well, now I'm the guy. Let me right? make my name And we're both you. exciting fighters. And I think there's some really interesting ways to go about that because if Gagey wins, there is a Conor McGregor and Gagey feud, right? There is, there is something yeah. there that Conor would be interested in. There's also something with Michael Chandler that I think if he comes out and starches Justin Gagey, that it makes it really appealing to Conor McGregor to have that fight. And then you're still going to have waiting in the wings, Tony Ferguson or Dan Hooker to be like, hey, if somebody falls out of that fight, I'm ready to go. Hey, at UFC, get my man a job. Yeah, just helped you. Book get my man a job division. booking the division. Sign me up, baby. Uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that you've painted a beautiful picture. And I would even go as far as to say that it'd be an easier picture for you to paint for the middleweight division at 185 pounds. So we've talked a lot about what's going on at 155 pounds a lot of things to be made there. This is this is exciting for me because this is what I want to talk to you about. The interesting part to this is not who I think Izzy should fight. Because Whitaker, this past weekend, it was if it wasn't Habib's night, Whitaker was great. Right? Looks he gets knocked down in the third round. It looks a little rough at the very, very end. But it's like it's a Robert Whitaker fight. That's going to happen. He was amazing. Yeah. And he deserves the next fight against Izzy. But they brought up, again, I'll reference this, is uh, on Hawani and DC. They bring up the fact that Izzy is like, I'm not interested at all in fighting Robert Whitaker. I'd rather go up and fight Jan. And Izzy didn't say this, his coach says this. He's like, I'd rather go up and fight Jan. The interesting conversation to me that came from that is, does that make him look bad? Because he said he wouldn't go up because he's not ready. He wants to get a few, uh, clear out his division and get a few fights under his belt and before he fights John Jones. But the second John Jones is not the champion anymore. You're willing to go up and fight the champion because you're not interested in fighting anybody in your division right now. That seems crazy. It seems crazy. You're trying to fight Jarrett Cannonier. Well, that was weird that he called out Jarrett. You're a good guy. That's where I think it, it it gets really hazy there because he is actively not lobbying for a fight. So he didn't say, Hey, the winner of this fight is the, the next number one contender. He just says, Hey, Jarrett Cannonier, you get through this, placeholder and you'll get the next fight it's like weirdly disrespectful to Whitaker too because it's like making it seem like Whitaker isn't worth his time and I get that that's kind of what he thinks but Whitaker's a damn good fighter and he held that title and fought he didn't fight Yoel the way that you fought Yoel that's the thing like like the reason he had those like his championship run is the reason it is or the way it was 
is because he like threw down. How, how would you how would you rate Israel Adesanya's performance over Robert Whitaker? Uh, it's close to a ten, dude. It's fantastic. What? So my reference or my my rebuttal because I 100 percent understand that Robert Whitaker is a major player in the middleweight division right now. Mm-hmm. It is going to be difficult for Israel Adesanya to outdo what he did against Robert Whitaker. I call it what it is. I think it's very difficult for it's the, the same. It's not the same because Connor knocked out Aldo in 12 seconds or 13 seconds, but it was the same thing when Connor was asked if he would fight Aldo again. With the buildup that it would take, with everything that's going to happen, how do I outperform? How do I? I've already beat this guy. I, so I do understand that outlook. But then why? And this is what Ariel said. It's like, then why aren't you looking at Till versus Hermanson? I was going to get into this. Jack Hermanson, I, I, I'm going to look up his record in a moment. I don't have it in front of me. But your division is in trouble if Jack Hermanson is your number four. At he's, that division. Uh, I don't think that's fair because he's really good. But Darren Till is only at six because he lost to Robert Whitaker and it was a great fucking fight. It was a hair, hairline decision, right? Like so, it was very close. So I don't I don't disagree with you there. I think Darren Till is the I think he is the guy at 185 pounds. I do think he's the guy to fight Israel Adesanya. The issue is is you lose against Robert Whitaker, that's a feather in Robert Whitaker's hat. Robert Whitaker beats the guy that you just called out. That's another feather. It would be difficult for Israel to say, hey, I want to fight Darren. So now he has to wait for Darren to beat Jack Hermanson. If Darren Till fights Yoel Romero, I don't see that going Darren Till's way. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I, I, It could be interesting because Yoel doesn't go for takedowns. That's the reality here. Like, like, I could see it being interesting because he might stand with Darren Till. And I think Till is really, really good at striking. Uh I, I I think Till is an interesting the only interesting opponent at middleweight right now is Darren Till. And and the only other guy out there, like I want to see Gastelum again in a way, but he's he's lost too handily at this point to Hermanson. Uh it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call. That, that middleweight division is he's already has worked a little bit through it. But hey, guess what, Izzy? You go up and fight Jan, know what's coming next. Cause you win the title at lightweight, you can't put it off any longer. John's coming back. He, he, and, that, and that's where you wonder, what, what's your what's your schedule look like? Because you said that you wanted to wait until you could build yourself up. But now, and I know you were getting to that. You're throwing yourself in against Jan. If you do that, the next fight is John. Like you if don't John have, says, I'm going back to 205 for my belt, the UFC is going to be like, yeah, John. Yeah, you're, sure. you're, oh, yeah. now you want to go fight Robert Whitaker? It's, it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening that way. This this division only gets interesting if Israel leaves. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, you know, we were going to get into is is Leon Edwards dumb? I think there's plenty of time to talk about that down the line. Uh, this feels like a good point to to close it out. Um, and I'm not saying I think Leon Edwards is dumb because no, he it's might a question not mark. be dumb. It's a it's a cliffhanger. You, it's up to you. Your interpretation out there is Leon Edwards dumb? Let us know. If you might not know if he, who he is, just base it on his name if you need to. He's um he's British. Is that what he is? He, he, he's he knows, from, knows he, he has an accent. He, he sounds like he's from London. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the guy known for eating the two-piece and the soda on the side. Yeah, if that's a, a fresh reminder for all of you. Uh, the question, is Leon Edwards dumb or what? Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think. Hit us in the chat. Uh, also, out there in the world, check out Danielle Kelly. Uh, oh, yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu Black belt. Bomb, bombshell. Bombshell. Oh, you got <laughs> it. It felt good. You got it. It felt good. Yeah, check her out. Uh, fire ground game. Uh, so we, we had the chance to kind of jump into her background. And one of the videos that really popped up looked fantastic. Her submission victory in Abu Dhabi over 
Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we know how great she is in the UFC. And just for those who don't know, she this past weekend tapped Roxy, um, Roxanne Modafferro. Modafferro, who's um, on a run right now. Who is great in the UFC, right? Yep. Is it just beat um, an up and comer? I can't remember the girl's name right now off the top of my head, but she had a great fight very recently, right? And uh, tapped her. So that, that's a girl to keep an eye on out there, everybody. Yeah, we wanted to give Danielle Kelly a shout out. Hit her up on Instagram. Uh, that girl's going to be one to see in the future for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you something to look at. I will for sure be following her. Yes, uh, on Instagram. At for those with good taste, hit us at Twitter at Good Taste Live. Make sure to hit the subscription button if you're tuning into audio. Hit subscribe, people. We love find you guys. It on the screen somewhere that if you feel, you will find. Ooh, we have to end it on that. Yeah. We're out later. <laughs>